0: Hello and welcome to another throwback episode. So over the last year, we've gotten a lot of new listeners and we're adding these throwback episodes so those new listeners can see some of our older content. Uh, But before I start, I have two disclaimers. So first, these were early episodes, so please be kind when it comes to understanding that the sound quality might not be that great. But despite the sound quality, the content is still solid. So that's why we want to bring it back and reshare this content because there's still some good gems in there. In addition to the sound, we were still trying to find our voice with regard to the uh, format that we wanted to use. Our newer episodes are put together in a much more organized and efficient manner. So, if you are a new listener and you're looking at this and you're saying to yourself, hmm, this seems unrefined, it probably is because it is (laughs) unrefined and you should check out our Monday episodes to see our more refined work. Um, Secondly, not all of the promotions from these episodes are still active, but all of the freebies that we mention are still active. Lastly, Make sure you go to the website and download our Ultimate Negotiation Guide. Or you could do it by clicking the link in the description. Um, The link that we're sending you to is www.americannegotiationinstitute.com slash guide. Again, that's americannegotiationinstitute.com slash guide. This is a 19-page free guide uh, it's actually, I guess that's more like a, an ebook, <laughs> really. And uh, this guide will walk you through your most difficult conflicts and negotiations. And it includes our three most popular freebies: the salary negotiation guide, the negotiation preparation guide, and the conflict resolution guide. So make sure you take the time to download this as soon as possible. And now, without further ado, let's jump into the episode.
1: Welcome to the American Negotiation Institute's podcast, where we will teach you the skills you need to get more out of life. And now your host, Kwame Christian.
0: Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of Negotiation for Entrepreneurs. My name is Kwame Christian, and I'm a business lawyer, and I'm passionate about teaching business professionals like you how to negotiate and be more persuasive. So, I am super excited for this episode, just like I was last last week, for last week's episode. Um, And we're going to continue our car negotiation series. So, this series will give you some insight not only on how to negotiate for your car in particular, but it will also give you great insight on how to negotiate in general. So, if this is your first time listening, welcome to the podcast. But before you continue listening, I'm going to need to advise you that you... Take some time and listen to the last episode, which is part one of this series. So these skills that we're teaching you are going to build on each other, so the material would probably make a little bit more sense if you listen to it in order. And before we jump into this episode, I want to remind you of the freebie that I introduced last week. So if you or a friend are going to be buying a car soon, I recommend that you spend the zero dollars necessary it takes to download this freebie. So if you go to the com slash car, and so again, that's com slash car, C-A-R, um, you'll get a free car negotiation worksheet that you can use to, to go through and make sure that you get the best deal possible. And so... Who likes saving money? I like saving money. So if you go through this, you could save hundreds or maybe even thousands on your next car purchase. So I think that $0 is a pretty solid investment. Um, Also, if you find this information helpful, please leave a review and subscribe. Um, My goal for this podcast and, and the American Negotiation Institute in general is to teach these skills to as many people as possible. So leaving a review really helps our goal. Uh, because it helps the search results, which helps us to reach more people. So by leaving a review, you're spreading the love. And now, the moment we have all been waiting for, our interview with car enthusiast and negotiation expert, Kyle Rossette. So Kyle and I go way back. He's one of my best friends from high school and he has particularized knowledge in this field because his father owned a car dealership for well over two decades. In addition to this, Kyle has the opportunity to negotiate almost every day in his current role at a real estate development company. And, as fortune would have it, he just negotiated for a car last week. So this information is really fresh in his mind. So he gives us a play-by-play on how that negotiation went and what kind of tools and techniques he was able to use to get a better deal. He also offers some really great intel on what's going on in the mind of the salesperson and getting that insight is going to be crucial for when it's your turn to have this negotiation. And um, before we jump into the interview, um, also want to say, when before the interview started, he reminded me of a story of, of how he first got interested in negotiation and what's really funny about it is that I'm in the story and I completely forgot about this, this situation. And it, it happened in high school, and um, I think it gives a really fun insight on the way I think and the way I approach business. So um, I'm going to put that little nugget at the very end of, of everything. So think of it like a hidden track. So when the whole episode is done, you can listen in and hear Kyle and I jump on the Google bus and just laugh and think about uh, times gone by. So yeah, but without further ado, let's just jump right into this interview. I am here with my good friend Kyle Reset. We have been friends oh I don't want to say how many years, but since since before high school, right? Mm-hmm, yep, been a while but um, so I'm excited to have him here because Kyle negotiates every day for in, in his job, but he has a lot of um, industry knowledge when it comes to um, car dealerships because his father owned a dealership. so um, Kyle, go ahead uh, give us a brief intro to you and then we'll we'll jump into the interview.
1: Uh, Thanks, Kwame. It's a privilege to be here today, and uh, um, I'm just excited to uh, get to share this time and uh, share my experiences with you. Um, So a little bit of history on me. um, uh, Like Kwame said, I go way back. Uh, We went to high school together, grew up in the same town together. um, And then I ended up going on to um, get my degree in supply chain management. And a big thing about supply chain management is negotiations with suppliers. Um, so, in my career, I ended up, uh, I worked for a company in Cleveland, uh, and we are a large um, real estate development and management company. Uh, and I am, I, my actual title is I'm a sourcing manager, um, and I re- I'm responsible for the negotiation of material and service contracts for both new building construction and facility operations. So, what are those kind of things? Um, just a couple examples are, you know, like, landscaping contracts, you know, every building needs landscaping. So somebody has to negotiate that for the property and the property manager is not always the best person to do that. Um, so what we do is we take our skills of negotiation and work with, you know, large other corporate offices to try to negotiate contracts that are volume based on national leverage, uh, and find, you know, just other areas that can find value that a normal property manager wouldn't be looking for. Um, There's other areas as well in new construction, you know, you just look at, you know, if we're building 10 buildings a year, we're going to try and put in some sort of agreement in place with a manufacturer. Maybe it's like things like appliances or paint or things of that nature where we're going to be buying a lot of it. So we'll put in volume incentives in a contract Um, rather than just on each specific project, that project manager, you know, is only looking at their one job. So we bring a lot of volume focus and uh, try to negotiate these large multimillion dollar deals. I love it. Um, with that said, uh, this is obviously a special area of interest for me. Um, I have a, a huge passion for cars. Um, my dad was in the business for 49 years. I recently retired. Um, and I just remember growing up, he always had a different car when he that he would drive home every night. And I would just be so into it, looking at it, uh, wanting to know everything about it. And um, he would just always tell me the, his tips and tricks of the trade. And I actually always thought that I wanted to sell cars. But then, you know, he explained to me that it's a hard business because you have people coming in every day wanting to g- negotiate. And he goes, it's actually a lot more fun to buy them than to sell them. So that's when it made me start thinking about, you know, buying things. And, uh, you know, here I am 10 years later buying things. It's not cars, but uh, it is something that I really do enjoy.
0: That's really interesting. So, and I think that breaks a common misconception of people where people think, oh, the car salesman loves this thing. There's all, it loves this negotiating thing, but I I never would have thought that he would prefer to buy than sell.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's just like, it's, you look at cars and uh, it is the one industry that everyone looks at it as, as as being super negotiation heavy. Mm -hmm. It just has that, that that common stigma that it's the one thing you have to negotiate when the reality is you know I've heard it on your other podcast you can negotiate anything every conversation you have is a negotiation but there are so many tools out there to negotiate cars there's some tons of websites you know that to do to give you research and um, they put their pricing right out on the website and you know the reality of it is I mean the two biggest purchases in your life is your house and your car hmm. and your house is kind of stuck in a location, so they kind of have that advantage. Whereas a car, there's tens of thousands of that exact same car around the country. So you have many places to go, and there's, so there's more a more defined market for it, and that's where all these tools come in place. So it's, it's an area that people have just really focused on, and so the, the negotiation power has really changed from, you know, over the years, the seller to the buyer. We have so many tools and that's, you know, we'll talk a little bit more about that. Later.
0: That's interesting. And, and that kind of that goes into one of the key negotiation points when it comes to power and leverage, because mm-hmm. uh, knowledge is power. Information is power. And before um, mm-hmm. it was only the, the car salesmen and the dealership that had the information. So you were mm-hmm. kind of at their mercy. But now we can have endless amounts of information just at our, at our fingertips.
1: Yeah. And like I said, my dad was in the business for 49 years. So the first, you could argue, 30 years before the internet came around, it was really hard. Uh, I remember him showing me a Kelly Blue Book used to be this little book. It wasn't an online tool that people could go to. So they didn't have any idea. You know, he could look in a book and say, okay, you know, if you bring in his car to trade it into him, he knows what the value should be based on mileage and the options. They printed it out every year and sent it to all the dealers. But, you know, it wasn't readily, easily available to the everyday consumer, but now it is. Hmm, That changes the game. Yeah, it really does.
0: Interesting. And you know what's perfect about this timing is the fact that you recently bought a car, right?
1: Yeah, I actually just bought a car uh, two days ago, and uh, it was my second car purchase um, in the past year. And the reality of it is uh, I haven't had a whole lot of car purchases before that because I was buying them for my dad. Um, so it was much less of a negotiation with him. He was already giving me the best deal possible. Um, but, you know, the nice thing about these two recent negotiations is now I had him on my side uh, and kind of being the person behind the curtain, giving me the, some, some ideas of, of how to take this negotiation to the next level and make sure that I got what I needed.
0: Nice. Was, was he actually like in the room with you when you had these
1: negotiations? No, he wasn't, but I, uh, you know, I just had multiple conversations with him, you know, and uh, I think, you know, one of the main things to focus on, Kwame, I know you talked about it in the part one podcast, is the preparation,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: uh, that's really where I spent most of my time. I was, you know, spending 45 minutes to an hour a day, you know, weeks in advance, just talking to my dad, making sure I had all the questions I could, uh, you know, especially doing my research and um, going back to all the tools that are out there. You know, I spent months and months and months of doing research before any car purchase. Um, And I I would say that the day of a person going into a dealership and just saying, hey, I want to buy a car, doesn't happen very often anymore. I mean, people should be doing their research and knowing what kind of car you want to buy. You know, you should you have friends out there that have cars. You can go test drive their car and have an idea of what kind of car you want to buy. Uh, and then do research on it. You do re- read the reviews on it. You read what the price is on it. You read what the warranty information is on those kind of cars. Um, so I was doing all of that with my dad, but also learning like kind of the inside knowledge of the industry. You know, what kind of margins do they normally want to make on a car? Um, but that, that can vary on d- dealership. Uh, what are the different ways they're going to try and, you know, what tactics are they going to use? Things like that. So, very helpful to have somebody on my side like that
0: you know what's really interesting about this is that um a lot of people are going to be listening to this and they're going to say to themselves wow months in advance hours you know put into research that's kind of extreme i'm not going to do that but when you think about the benefit on the other side and you kind of try and quantify that it's well worth your time because oh, yeah. when you negotiate it's, it's one of those the few times in your life where if you were to give yourself an hourly rate, it would be hundreds and hundreds of dollars per hour <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. that, that you are earning by doing this preparation.
1: Yeah, and I don't think that you know, ev- you're required to do months and months and months of research per se. Uh, I did because I, I enjoyed it, first off. I like, really liked reading up on each type of car to really decide, was this the car for me? Um, if you kind of know like what the car is, you can find out what you want to know within several hours of research, but the excuse of not doing any research is not a good excuse at all. I mean, really it's, you could do it on your phone, walking into the dealership and at least know what the fair purchase price on the car is. Right. So it, it, the the amount of time you put in is as much as you want to, but I totally agree. I mean, you're just paying yourself with the more knowledge that you have.
0: Exactly. So tell us a little bit about the uh, the tactics that you employed, some of the strategy that you employed during the negotiation.
1: Yeah, so um, both both negotiations that I had um, were a little bit different. I bought used cars, but I bought uh, relatively low mileage used cars. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's kind of always been a, a one focus of mine. Um, but th- that's a little bit different market than a new car market. So a new car market, um, one of the tactics that you have to know is that every single um, car, new car, has one price. So the dealer, one dealer pays the same price as another dealer. Hmm. It's just what the what they want to make and what they want to pay their salesman. It's a little bit different. Sometimes as well, they'll put some add-ins, like maybe they'll put some floor mats in or they'll tint the windows, things like that. And then they can charge whatever margin they want on that. So you should kind of have an idea if that's an added on part of the car, what does that cost? Uh you know, tinted windows might be two hundred extra bucks, but they're charging you a thousand for it. You know, that's a little ridiculous. So uh knowing that kind of information, but just knowing that, you know, every that car should cost the same at this dealership as the dealership across the street, uh is is power. And really so what I would do, uh, you know, often is one practice I take is I find who's got the lowest price. I'm not going to go to the guy that's somewhere in the middle or on the high end. I'm going to find the guy that has the lowest price because that's the smallest hill to climb. Um, if you go into a salesman and you're going to try to cut him 5000 even if he's 5000 over the price, that's a big number to him. It's a big margin to the dealership. And even if it's wrong, it's hard. But if, you, if it's already down and you're only trying to cut him a few hundred dollars, it's much easier to swallow. They do that every day. So doing your research there and finding, you know, one of the lower priced cars, but still in fair market value is always a best practice and tactic of mine.
0: Before we finish up this episode, I have a few questions for you. Does your job do professional development training? Are you looking for a workshop for your next conference? Does your profession require effective communication or dispute resolution? If so, a negotiation training seminar might be what you need. I've had the opportunity to do these trainings around the country and I'd love to swing by your neck of the woods. Our customized negotiation seminars are as fun as they are informative. You'll not only discover the keys to negotiation and persuasion, you'll also have the opportunity to practice these skills in a safe environment with a negotiation simulation. And at the end of the seminar, you'll be able to communicate confidently, resolve disputes effectively, and get what you want out of your next negotiation. And as an added bonus, if you let us know far enough in advance, we can get these trainings certified for continuing education credits feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn or shoot me an email to learn more. Okay. Wow. that That's that's really helpful. Um, because w- when I was um, thinking about what I was going to do with this one, I was going to go for the most expensive one and see how low down I can get him to see, if, see how big of a chunk I can get him down. But strategically, I should just go
1: ahead and start with the lowest one because that would be the, the easiest place to start. That's what I like to do, and it's been successful. It's because at the end of the day... I'm paying the lowest of the low then because I don't stop there. You know, Mm -hmm. I'll go in, but the the chunk that I'm trying to take out is much smaller and they'll normally turn it much quicker. So and, and that's that's just one area to focus on as well. There's many other areas that you can focus on when negotiating on a car.
0: Interesting. And let me ask you about these add-ons because you said, um, so we have the base price for a new car that everybody pays. Then they would try and charge you more for those add-ons. How can we find the price, like essentially the fair market value of the the add-ons?
1: Well, you know, just simple things like, uh, like I said, if it's floor mats, um, you can go on the internet. You could look if you wanted to buy floor mats yourself. Uh, you could even go, if it's a new car, you could go to, um, maybe the the if it's Ford for say you could go to the Ford's parts website and you could probably find what those floor mats actually cost to you and see if it's different than the, what they're putting in the car oh wow um, th- there's just there's the reality of it is floor mats shouldn't cost you $1000 unless they're made of gold right you know so like th- they are going to mark them up but you know maybe like a 10% markup is fair on that not you know 500% so yeah. just kind of focusing on those areas They just like to try to slide those in as like, oh, it comes with floor mats and tinted windows and all this stuff, and that's why it's better. But is it really? I mean, Mm. should you really be paying that much more? I mean, those are the kind of things that they might try to do. But, you know, uh, again, uh, there's there's just multiple areas of research that you can do. And it's, again, Googling it, simple as that. Yeah. And
0: that is a really great point that you made there because – you really need to consider the the true value of what it is you're getting. And one one thing to keep in mind in when you're actually in a negotiation is determining whether it's uh, information or if it's influence. So, for yes. instance, if it's information, it's factual things that can be backed up by objective facts mm-hmm. um, that could be researched. If it's influence, that's something that they're saying to influence you to believe what to, to go their way. Mm-hmm. And and that's a really great example that you gave because essentially that's influence. It's like, Hmm, tinted windows should not be that much. Yes. Yes, yeah.
1: definitely. Um, a couple of other things that I wanted to point out, you know, before I forgot that my dad always taught me is that the price of the car is not the only thing that you should be negotiating. There's other levers that you should be pulling. There's other expenses. Um, one thing that people commonly do is they finance their car. And financing is also a way a dealership makes money. Hmm. So when you're, say, you're negotiating the purchase price of the car, well, if you're negotiating a price down and you're trying to get 2 or 3%, they might look at it and say, okay, 2 and 3%. We haven't even talked about financing yet. And they can make money on financing. So they might just make that money right back up on financing, and you have no idea. So, because the banks incentivize them to use their, you know, to finance through them. So they get a kickback from the bank. So you have to be aware of that. Um, In this scenario that I just purchased, I knew that obviously because of what my dad told me and I knew what banks I could get approved to. I already knew my credit score. um, And I also knew that Ford, I bought a Ford Fusion, uh, was running a special Um, and it was like a 1.9%. Uh, to finance so that was an easy I knew what it was they weren't going to inflate it on me so I was able to calculate out okay if I get this price for the car and I get this financing which I know I can because my dad told me that I'd be approved but you know if your credit score is good enough they're normally going to approve you Um, then I could figure out what my payment was going to be and I uh, so then I was able to go in there and sit down with them and you know I negotiated the price of the car, they came out, and they had everything laid out, itemized out. Here's your price, here's your taxes, here's your document fees, which are dealership fees that they charge for like just doing the paperwork, and then what the finance charges were. And then at the end, at the bottom, it showed the total price for the car, and then it showed the payment range. And the funny thing about this negotiation um, was the payment range did not add up to what I had pre-calculated it to be. Um and this is another area that even if you think, hey, like I don't know how to do that, guess what? There's plenty of tools out there. You just Google car, you know, what you should be paying, it'll tell you what you should be paying. But so I knew what my range should be and what they were trying to tell me it was gonna be was about sixteen dollars more a month. And so when I did the math, you know, it was going to add up to a, a significant amount more for the price of the car, which was even way more than what I negotiated them down in the original price. So they were making it up on the back end. And I was like, no, 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 no. Like, wow. this isn't what it is. And so I just said, I don't know what's wrong in your calculations. So I just said, okay. I got out my phone. I started doing the math. And after about two minutes of silence while I'm doing it, salesman sitting there kind of awkward. He just got up, took the paper, walked back over, came back with the exact number it needed to be. And it was just like, okay, yeah, that, that that makes sense. That's what I thought it should be. And I knew I had my number. And really what they were trying to do was just trying to slide it in somehow. And they'll you know, companies can do that sometimes. And then what they'll do at the end is they'll say, Oh well this car has, you know, some sort of special rust coating on it so it won't rust and it has this and this and this and you have an extended warranty or something like that. And it's like I didn't want to pay for that. And that's what they're trying to do, slide that in before I even knew it. Wow. Wow. Okay.
0: So let's take a second and tease all that out because that, that is a lot of really, really good information. That's um so okay. So when you're talking about you're talking about the financing and how much more it can cost over time if the numbers aren't right. Uh-huh. Um s- slow down and, and break that down again because I want to sure. make sure that everybody gets that because that's a really important um point that you made. So yep. when it comes to the monthly payments, like, what kind of things should we be looking out for? Like, how can we protect ourselves, like,
1: actually in the negotiation with them? Well, like I said, if you if you do the research beforehand, okay, and it should tell you based on, let's say you're you're doing a 60-month, which is pretty standard anymore. You do a 60-month loan on a car. Uh, they should have, re- they'll have different ranges of your interest, anywhere from, you know, 4 or 5%, you know, and it could be higher depending on your credit score. If it's not very good, you might have a higher rate. And it can go all the way down. On a brand new car, you might even get 0%. So it might not be an issue. It's commonly on used cars. They'll have a little bit higher percentage. Mm-hmm. So, but you, can, you go right on a website. You tell them what you think your percentage should be. And it pops it all out. And it'll most of the time take into account taxes. Uh, it sh- won't take into account uh, document fees. But those are normally the only two additional costs that should be in there. So you should be able to get a pretty good number of what you think your car should cost you in terms of that rate. And just knowing that rate is what helped me, was knowing that, hey, let's just say the number's $400. Like, I knew I was going to be at $400, and they came back at $415. i am like, it's it doesn't add up. Like, this math should come out to $400. But what they were doing, again, was they were taking some extra things they said they were putting on the car that I was like, hey, I'm not paying extra for those. And they were just going to say, hey, this is an extended warranty. It's that's going to be 10 bucks additional. They didn't lay that out anywhere, but they were just sliding it in. And then what they do is later when you're sitting down signing your paperwork, they're like, Oh yeah, you have an additional 12 months warranty on this car. And you're kind of like, Oh, that's great. That's cool. You didn't realize that you paid for it.
0: (laughs) Wow. See, I'm, I'm blown away uh, by this because these, these are things that I,
1: I wasn't aware of coming into into this. So, so again, like the, the, the real point behind it all is the price of the car is not the only negotiation point. You really have to focus. Now, if you're buying cash, if you're paying cash, that's one thing you actually have a ton of leverage. They're super incentivized to sell to you because it's, it's done. It's super easy. Um, but you're paying uh, or you're financing. That's a way they're, they're, they're kind of like, okay, I didn't get them on the price of the car. I'll make it up here. And in this scenario, they were actually trying to get more than, what their car was actually going to cost me. So luckily, I was, I was able wow. to catch it and end up signing that paper until they gave me the right number.
0: Yeah, and, and it just shows that you need to be vigilant throughout the process because a yeah. lot of people might say, wow, I was able to negotiate $5,000 off. And then mm-hmm. they, while they're busy high-fiving, the uh, the dealer is is making that money back and more on the details.
1: Exactly. And so that's why everyone's still smiling at the end of it. <laughs> and uh, you know you think you got a good deal, but they ended up getting even a better deal than you think. So knowing your payment, you know, and really, you know, focusing on you still have that uh, that financing to negotiate if you're not paying cash is uh, super important. Real quick, another area to focus on is you know if you're trading in a car, mm-hmm. that's an area that you need to g- negotiate as well. Um, and sometimes you know realizing the fact that they're incentivized to buy your car a little bit higher because they want you to buy the other car. It's, you know, it's kind of like, "Hey, I'm not buying this car unless you take this car." So, you know, those kind of things can be negotiated as well. And, you know, they might try to hit you low on your trade-in because they're giving you too much on the other one. But the reality is one thing that you could say is, you know, I'm trading you this car and you can sell this car and I know you can make a margin on it. It's another area that you can research online what your trade-in value is and what they can sell it for. Oh. So you you know that delta on that car. So you know there's hey they could they have the possibility to make two three thousand dollars on my car. So I'm not going to let them make that on this car. But you sell that as hey, you know I'm buying this car from you. You're getting another car in inventory that you can make another two and three grand on. Uh, so those kind of things you know there's there's really three areas that I always focus on this last time I didn't trade in a car, but I did in the past is, you know, the trade-in number, the finance number, and the actual purchase price are the three areas that are kind of key. But people always forget about um, everything but the purchase price.
0: Okay. So outside of these three things, because these obviously are the three biggest ones, the trade-in number, the finance number, and the purchase price. And just uh, for the listeners out there, I'll, I'll make a a freebie to go along with this. So you'll have the notes. So don't, don't uh, try and take notes while driving or anything like that. Um, But what other things can we negotiate other than the purchase price and and these other three things?
1: Like what what else is on the table? Well, I mean, if the, you know, there's always those other things like you can add in the extended warranties and negotiate that. Um, You know, they actually, after the fact that I negotiated out, they tried to bring it back and negotiate it back in. It was just wasn't something that I was interested in, but that there is a, an area in there that you can negotiate. Or going back to what I was talking about earlier, maybe the car doesn't have floor mats and you want floor mats. Those are small things that again maybe that only costs them 250 bucks that they can throw in. Um, so those are definitely you know small extra things that you could always look to try to add on. Uh Oil changes. Uh, car washes from the dealership, lots of like services are always easy to negotiate into because they don't always think about the total cost of what those might be they're just looking at making that deal good time
0: huh. is is there anything that we can give them that might incentivize
1: them to lower the price at all? Uh, like I said, kind of with the trade in conversation, okay. using that as an opportunity because. Uh, Kwame, you did a good job last time talking about how the difference of the dealership's goals versus the salesman's goals. Mm-hmm. The salesman is always incentivized to sell multiple cars. you know. And if they sell maybe 10 cars at the end of the month, they'll, they might get a better bonus on that. So they want to push the car to you. Now, the, uh, the uh, dealership does want to make a certain margin on it, but it's all about turning the inventory. The more cars they sell, the more customers they get you know, the more opportunities they have to make money. So, you know, Mm -hmm. they don't want people walking out the door. Um, And obviously, I think, Kwame, again, you did a good job talking about goodwill. You know, you come in, you take that selfie uh, with your new car and post it out on social media or something. And, you know, just let everyone know, hey, come here. They're great to work with. You can do those kind of things. Um, Those are always just good ways. You know, word of mouth is the best thing for dealerships. Uh, they always appreciate that.
0: Okay. That's good to know. That is good to know. So in, in this last deal with you, um, like, what kind of percentage were you able to get off in, in either of the, the ones, like the most recent
1: one or the one before? Well, uh, I think the most successful in terms of percentage that I've done, uh, this last one that I just did the other day uh, was right at the bottom of fair market value, like the cost of the car. So I was able to get another one to 2% off the price of the car Mm -hmm. uh my finance rate so there wasn't much negotiating there so it was pretty good i i I ended up getting a really good deal on the car where the car itself uh compared to you know the the standard market rate for that car was uh 10 underneath standard what you would pay elsewhere Uh, so i felt really good about that okay now the other car that i bought the the big win was more so on my trade-in um They had a car. It was actually a truck that I bought um, that had sat there for a long period of time, which is something I know you also talked in the last podcast. Um, And they wanted to get rid of it. It was actually a funny thing. I bought it in Pittsburgh. Um, It was a two-wheel drive truck. So when I called the guy, I said, "Hey, do you still have this truck?" He said, "Yep." Uh, It's two-wheel drive though. You know that. And right there, when he said that, I was like, "Wow, he's already got some sort of like this. This truck has a disease because it's two-wheel drive." What is that? Um, So I knew that they were having a problem with it because right away he was checking with me to make sure that I knew that. Um, So, you know, the ball was in my court. Now the price on the truck, because it had been there so long, they had dropped a significant amount. It was actually 20% under market rate. And uh, so I was pretty excited. And that's the reason why I was, you know, considering it, driving all the way to Pittsburgh. Um, But what I did tell them is, you know, I had a trade in. And I wanted to make sure that, like, I had to have that traded or else this wasn't going to happen. And I ended up getting 20% over uh, my trade-ins value wow. on the, um, just by, you know, like saying, hey, that has to happen. But they were so focused on getting rid of that truck and getting it out of their inventory that they were fine with paying 20% over. Now, it was a, a small, you know, 20% is, you know, it, relative to the price of the car. But, you know, it was still 20% over the value, which was great. So I was super excited about that. Wow.
0: Okay. So these are some great nuggets. So out of those two scenarios, there are three things I want to highlight. So the first big thing is just kind of going back to what you were saying on not just focusing on the price, but focusing on the trade-in value and the financing offers too, because Mm -hmm. a lot of times we we need to be realistic with what our goals are and uh, be practical with what our goals are. Because like you said, um, if we just focus on the price, we might get knocked and not even know that we got knocked so Mm -hmm. really being realistic with goal setting on each of these areas so what's your goal with the overall price what's your goal with the trade-in and what's your goal with the financing and making sure that the the deal that you get is a great package
1: overall exactly yes definitely
0: and then another thing too i really admire your listening skills in that because as soon as he said two-wheel drive is that okay you knew that was a problem Mm-hmm. So that was impressive. Can you, can you give a- another example of when, like, what other tells a salesman or salesperson could have that could let you know there's a lot of wiggle room?
1: Uh, I think, you know, anytime that you know uh, that the car's been there for a while, um, there's a couple of ways you can know that. If you've been doing your research, you might have seen it sitting there for a while. The Carfax report is good, um, that's going to tell you how long they've had it. Um, that's going to be a key right there. I mean, they are definitely, you know, they're incentivized to get rid of cars as quick as possible. You know, 45 days is kind of like they're going to start to try to dump that car and because they are going to begin to lose money on it. Um, and they, they want to free that spot up. That's an, That spot on their lot is an asset to them that's not producing any value. So they're sometimes, you know, okay with getting rid of it. Buying a car at the end of the month is huge. Uh, and I would also add to that, Buying it during the week. Uh, you know, oh, their Dealerships really? are always busy on the weekends, okay? So if your deal's not there, that's okay. Somebody else is walking in the door right now. Uh, so I always, you know, both deals that I did, the other day it was Wednesday. I think the last time I bought the car on a Tuesday. Those are normally slower days. So they're looking for action. They're bored. They want to get something done to feel good about their day. I mean, those are all like psychological things, you know, that we all have. Um, you want to feel progress in the day. So when you target kind of days like that, you know, it's uh, normally a good thing too.
0: I saw online that buying on a on a rainy day kind of has a similar effect too. Have you seen oh, that? Oh, definitely.
1: Oh, for sure. My dad used to tell me all the time, uh, I would call him and he would just, you know, he's like, oh, weather's terrible here. So it's super slow. I mean, no one wants to be out, you know, walking around a car lot, looking at cars when it's raining. But when it's beautiful out, people are in a better mood too you know they like being outside they don't mind looking at cars uh, all that stuff is uh definitely definitely plays an effect even the winter and the summer you know summer's definitely a hotter season to sell cars in the winter so if you can buy in the winter you know it's slower so but you do have to kind of deal with the the effects of that too
0: yeah this is brilliant this is just brilliant stuff man and, and what's really cool about this for me is that it's it's an area like i said that i'm not familiar with um i have general knowledge just layman's knowledge but you have that expert level knowledge and so i a, a lot of times in negotiation yeah i can take my my um general generalized negotiation knowledge on the mm-hmm. the principles and apply it and do well but when you mix that with expert level knowledge it's it takes it to a new level and so that's why it's important sometimes to take the time to do your own research but also Tap into the experiences of other people and lean yeah. on them when when you have the opportunity, so you can be even better prepared for for your own negotiations.
1: Yeah, and I would you know, it, it's drilling into the example that you know you're providing about experience, expert level experience, uh, I'm going to leave you you know with one one really good nugget, uh, you know, a car negotiation. You'll realize that I didn't talk about test drives at all. Oh. And uh, there's a reason to that. Neither car that I bought did I test drive before I had the price negotiated. Uh, really? Much like, much like buying a house, uh, you don't go into a house you can't afford. The realtors will try to do that all the time, but a realtor is incentivized by how much the house sells for, obviously. Um, same with a car. You know, They're going to make more in a car that you can't afford, and they're going to try to show you cars. So like I said, doing research beforehand... I test drove cars of friends, you know, people that I trusted, Talked to them about their car. Um, The truck that I bought, one of my good friends had the exact same truck, so I was very comfortable with everything about it. Um, I didn't need to test drive it beforehand. Um, It wasn't until after the price was negotiated that I got in the car, you know, made sure that it was what they said it was. It didn't have any defects, you know, I fit the car well. You know, everything worked the way it was supposed to. Because what happens is a salesman used that as a tactic to make you emotionally involved in the car. They want you to see all the the cool things that it does. And it's obviously better than the car you have or else you wouldn't be buying it. So you're you're in love with the car and now they know that they have a little bit of that uh, with you. So yeah, just uh, that experience of of friends, you know, expert level experience of somebody else who has the car, they're an expert in that car. So talk to them about it, test drive their car first, and then, then go in, talk about the price, then drive the car. That's, that's great advice.
0: And I, and it kind of goes back to information versus influence. Like, are you really learning anything new per se from the test drive? Not
1: really, but you're getting, you're starting to fall in love. Well, and again, test drive is an ancient practice. It it was what they did before we had internet, to get you to know the car they didn't have car commercials like they do now and you know they just didn't know that much about a car then so it's a it's just just too much information anymore so the industry is changing but the way they sell cars hasn't
0: so while you were in the room with the guy um how long was the actual negotiation the, the the back and forth how long did that take
1: uh, actually, the back and forth uh, in both my negotiations, remember, because I had a small hill to climb, oh, right. was a focus of mine. Uh, it was really probably only 45 minutes or so. After that, it's just paperwork time, things of that nature. Um, and, you know, they're just taking time to file stuff. But it's that's not that long a period of time, in my opinion.
0: Okay. Especially, in and one of the reasons I ask is because when you look at that relative to the amount of time you took to prepare,
1: it's the the competition is the easiest thing oh yeah for sure what, you know what it is Kwame when when you have the knowledge you have the upper hand and mm-hmm. uh, I think you said competence is confidence mm-hmm. um, and that's the truth I mean you know I knew what my payment was so it, it was relatively quick that when they did put the numbers in front of me I knew it was wrong and it only took so I said it was 45 minutes that was the whole process of them putting the to get the numbers together When they put it in front of me, I knew it was wrong. Like I said, it took two minutes for that guy to realize that I wasn't buying it and that Hmm. I knew my number of what it should cost and then this was wrong. So when they came back with the right number, I was fine with it because I had already said, this is the number I know and I'm okay with paying it.
0: Right. I want to go back to that too. I'm I'm glad you brought that back up. Mm -hmm. You said um, when you said the number looks weird and then you started to go uh, do your own calculations and it was just... Awkward silence for a while. Um, can you talk about the value of silence when it comes to negotiations?
1: oh it's like my favorite. <laughs> um, you know, it's uh, it really is because you know people don't like awkwardness. They they hate that. Uh, and it, I didn't even say anything. I literally said nothing. Um, but just well placed silence uh, makes people uncomfortable. We live in a day where we're constantly have to be, you know entertained in some way and this guy was just sitting there waiting for me and he didn't know what to do and he i think saw like he's gonna figure something out so i better just go try and make this right um or i might just get up and walk away so i literally just said this isn't right i'm gonna do my calculations started doing it and after two minutes without me saying anything he got up and went back um <laughs> but yeah silence silence is super powerful people do not like it um But when you're the one that creates the silence, it's a huge, huge uh, strength and uh, can play to your favor very well. So it's
0: funny. This actually reminds me of something. A couple of years ago, I was listening to um, a news story and it was a journalist being interviewed talking about journalism. And she said that, you know, sometimes when you just ask a question and then you stay silent and they give an answer and you just maintain that silence, you would be... So you would be shocked at what people will fill that silence with just the most incriminating things, Mm -hmm. you know, because they just keep going on. And essentially the guy that you were talking to didn't fill the silence with words. He filled it with actions and his actions were saying,
1: I misled you.
0: Here's the truth.
1: Yeah. And that, that, it was actually a really great feeling when he walked away. Um, I was like, wow. Like, you know, actually thinking like, Hey, that, you know, there's they're scared, you know, like they knew that I knew. Um, and yeah, it was, it was definitely a win. And I do that commonly, uh, in my day-to-day work, you know, it's you, uh, you just let the other people talk, let them talk, let them give you more information than you're giving them. And, uh, you're on a path to success.
0: All right. What, what are some things that you would say to avoid in this, in this particular type of negotiation?
1: Uh, speaking specific to cars, I think the one thing I said earlier is test drives. Um, I'm not saying don't test drive cars, uh, but if it's a car that you want to buy and you know you want to buy, maybe test drive, uh, a different car, uh, at a different dealership or try to find a friend, because like I said, you're going to get emotionally involved in that car. Um, and it's going to give them an upper hand that you don't need to give them. Um, I would say another thing to avoid is, you know, you know, laying your cards on the table and letting them know what you're willing to pay. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's never a good thing. Once you put that number out, they'll find any way to hit that number. Uh, sometimes they're going to try to s- sell you a car that's not worth that, that price. So, you know, you got to hold that in as long as you possibly can. Um, and then uh, the last thing, you know, getting emotionally involved in general in any negotiation is never a good thing. And if you find yourself getting there, uh, it's better to just walk away. Because once you're emotionally involved, whether it's you're angry about the situation because it's not going your way um, or you're you know just so in love with whatever you're trying to buy that it's making you pay more, you're going to walk out and a couple of days later and you're going to regret that. Right. Um, and especially in cars, like I said, it's like the one area that it's common to negotiate. Like even if you screw up one deal or it's not going the way you want, you can go to a dealership down the street. It's not that much further to drive. It's going to have a similar car or even the same car, and you can start all over. So it's it's one of the easiest things to walk away from.
0: I, I really like that last point because the walk away is something that is really underutilized when it comes to these types of negotiations because you feel invested for some reason. You feel really tied to this car that you've never seen before and mm-hmm. that has millions of of identical <laughs>
1: siblings. <laughs> you know? Yeah, so. exactly. And, you know, it's, it, there, there's so many other opportunities. And like, that's why I said, it's different than a house. If there's a house on a beach and it's the, like the best beach location, that's one thing. You know what I mean? It's all about the location there more so than the house. Right. Um, you know, but this thing, they literally, there's an assembly line cranking these things out <laughs> one after the other, after the other. So there's just like, there's no need to, if you're not getting what you want to just, just walk away. Yep. And it's it's one of the best tactics because every general manager will tell you they do not want you to walk out that door. And they're going to just start lowering the price once you walk out the door. They're going to try to do everything they can to keep you from getting back in your old car. So let me ask you this.
0: when um You, you said hold the cards as close as, to your chest as possible when it comes to your numbers. And I agree with that. Um, But let's say I'm a salesperson and I'm trying to, my goal really is to figure out what your number is. And so Mm -hmm.
1: how do we avoid those questions? How do we dodge those? Um, That's a good question. Uh, I don't know that there's a way to dodge it other than just being upfront about it. You know, like sometimes I would say we're not even talking about numbers yet. Like we have other things we need to figure out. Or the best thing is honesty is the best policy and just say, I don't feel comfortable talking about numbers yet, you know, and just saying like, you know, I came here, I want to know what your best price is and just make them give it to you. You don't have to give them anything. They want to sell you a car. That's what their livelihood is. That's their job. That's all they do. You don't walk out with a car at the end of the day. It's not the end of the world, but to them, like that's a failure in their life in that day.
0: And you know what's interesting too about the numbers you almost feel obligated when somebody asks when somebody asks a question you you can't help but answer it you, in your own okay. head at least but you keep it in your head that's the goal to keep it in the head but you feel yep. obligated because somebody asks you a question to answer it but it's not the case it's kind of like a a fake social pressure that we feel to respond and um remember we don't owe them any information and when you think about it logically, if we're trying to figure out what the lowest is that they can go, what what does it matter how much I could pay? So, exactly. so if I'm buying a Ford Fusion like you bought, if I have a million dollar budget, is that somehow going to become a million dollar Fusion?
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I think that's a, a super, super good point in terms of it's not what I'm willing to pay. It's what you're willing to sell it to me for. Right. Um, uh, and that's that's a good way to say it too. I I know that I've heard since then. My dad has bought a car as well, and I, he was telling me the story. And he's like, "It's just so funny because I feel bad for the people that have to deal with him, uh, because you know he's even like, I know that you can do this type thing, and you know like I know you can cut this down to that price. I know what the price should be, and you know you're not making that much on me. And it's just it's funny, but that's the reality of it is he's he's very good at. You know, no. I'm. It doesn't matter what I can pay. It matters what you can sell me this car for. Yeah, <laughs> and they're gonna they're gonna find out what you're approved for later. But it's. I mean, it's normally you can be approved for way more than what the car that you're buying for is, anyways.
0: Okay, man. These are great tidbits. You know, it's funny, man. I like now that I know this, I just want to go out and just buy a car. I can't. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> my CFO, uh, Whitney, my wife, would. Uh, <laughs> She would crucify me.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> but, uh, oh, yeah,
1: this you, is... You don't know. You might use this tactics and get such a great deal that you just, yeah. You know, I mean, maybe she'll kiss you afterwards. Maybe.
0: If, if I managed to buy a $5 Lambo, yeah. uh, <laughs> that, that'll she'll be do worth that. it. Well, good stuff. Yeah. Is, okay, let me ask you this. this. This will be the last question. So what is one thing that you would challenge our uh, audience to do? even if it's not um, related to a car negotiation, but um, just in, in general to become a better negotiator.
1: I, I think that the best way to go is is just to spend some time researching whatever it is. That time you spend in varies on how the importance it is to you. Um, but it, when it's something like a home or a car, uh, there's just too many tools out there to not utilize. You know, and just, just, just knowing what you wanna buy, uh, knowing your budgets, Uh, so too many people don't take advantage of that Um, and like you could you could google a lot of the things and find podcasts like this amazing american negotiation institute to figure out how to buy a car Uh, there are ways there's tools there's too much out there to um, to not take advantage of uh, before you go into this and it's easy to be prepared actually man that's
0: great that is great. Thank you so much for sharing uh, your knowledge with us. this This has been really,
1: really helpful., uh, no problem. it was a, it was a pleasure. Um, I'm excited. I got to talk about something that you know I'm passionate about doing and a subject I'm passionate about in cars. So I'm glad I could be a part of it. and uh, thank you very much.
0: So I hope you enjoyed that interview as much as I did. And again, a big thanks to Kyle for helping out. If you liked what you heard, please leave us a review and let us know. That really means a lot to us and it uh, helps our ratings and searchability go up so we can reach more people. So if you like what you heard, leave us a review. Also, before you go, remember, take advantage of that freebie, the car negotiation worksheet. Um, So that'll help you walk through your own car negotiations. So if you go to AmericanNegotiationInstitute.com slash car, you can get it there. If you want to learn more about what I do here with the American Negotiation Institute as far as consulting and coaching and speaking engagements, um, just check out the website there or connect with me on LinkedIn. And if you live in Ohio, uh, my law firm operates in Ohio. That's where I'm barred. So give me a shout if you need any business law help. And as promised, I'm going to put in that little clip with uh, that back and forth with me and Kyle. So if you want to get into the mind of Kwame Christian and see the way I think. uh, This would be a good insight. So just a little background. We were in this business class and our teacher's name was Mrs. Reeser. So with this particular exercise, our goal was to create a company and see how big we could grow it. So I'll just leave it at that and let Kyle finish up the story.
1: I actually think it's funny because every time I think about negotiations, Mm -hmm. I think about... Like one of the first projects I'll tell people about that I was ever involved in that had negotiations related was Mm -hmm. the project that Mrs. Reeser made us do, where it was like real estate and you just dominated the class. (laughs) And I'm like, that was one of the first negotiations. And I think the negotiation was between you and me. And it was pretty much, I'm going to take your business and I'm just going to run the class. And I was down with that. You remember? And it was just like I became your vice president. And it was just like one by one. There was no choice for anybody else but to just give it up, and I was like, "Now that was kind of like more of a monopoly type thing, but it was still like the idea of it. it it's hilarious that that's how it started."
0: Dude, that's so funny. You know what's funniest about that is that Her. I I completely forgot about that. Like until you yeah. brought that up, I never like I I'd never thought about that since yeah. since high school. That's crazy. I do remember that I, now. It was like
1: probably the first project that i ever had that was had some sort of negotiation and that's when i remember like you know it was kind of like i was just trying to be lazy and just you know <laughs> you were so competitive so it was an easy win for both of us right but uh, the idea is like that's how things are done in the real world i mean people do that kind of stuff all the time and then you know i always knew that i wanted to go that route so you i am <laughs> i do remember that we 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 beasted that class yeah, and it was like we were the juniors and the seniors got so mad because, <laughs> and then they tried to do the same concept. And we're like, our corporation is way bigger than you can ever. We already had half the class, there was no way they could beat us. And I, I remember it was a competition for like just buying things up or whatever. You know, you had to negotiate, and it was just like, a, let's just make this quick. Let's just make you big so no one can compete. And oh, man. we got an a i know we got an a we had to
0: so i hope you enjoyed that clip as much as kyle and i obviously did um keep your eye out for part three where i actually do the recorded negotiation so we'll see how good of a deal we can get so thanks again for listening and i'll catch you in the next one